So I have the utmost compassion for each one of us. It's just not a club any of us were competitive to join. On Raising Rare, we are bringing you the story of a young father whose son has an ultra-rare disorder known as Sedegatian type spondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. My name is Kevin Fryert. Each episode, we will find out what is going on in the life of Sanath and his son, Raghav. We will talk about Raghav's growth and development, ongoing and upcoming research, and the challenges and adventures that raising a child with a nearly unknown condition brings. Come join us to hear the story unfold. So let me ask you, you, I heard what you think about each other and what you admire, but what have you learned from each other? Do you have any specific examples? And Amber, you can go first this time. Sure. Well, I think I could make this an example of the rare disease community in general. So I would say all of my best ideas have come as a result of discussions with other parents that have saved me time, helped me advance quicker. But going through that process, I've also been able to save them time by sharing my lessons learned. Like, I don't have to pay a consultant $150 an hour if I can just put a question on a Slack thread and get five answers in five minutes of people that are happy to help one another. And we are all rooting for one another. We are an extremely cohesive group. That's fantastic that truly tapping into other people's experiences as they're happening and with that level of trust that you guys have built. So, Sanath, what have you learned from Amber? A plus one, everything that Amber said from the rare disease community in general. Specifically from Amber, I've learned a lot about how to work with academics. It's an interesting journey because it, when we started, we trusted everybody. We trusted that everybody who has a title and a name uh, and a position can do everything. It's my fault that we trusted because I'm a, I'm a software software guy by profession and I can not do any finance. And if you ask me to do finance just because I work at a company that does finance somewhere, it's, it's someone else's fault, right? So that, that, that's exactly how we sort of treating people was a doctor. Yeah, he's a doctor. He can cure any disease in the world. But then once you get down to details, you, you really know who can do what. And, and then we realized that they have a specific focus. A lot of that information and how to interact with academics and how to, how to, how to be efficient about it, um, I learned a lot from Amber. It's great. Once again, it's, you know, the, the, the various strengths that you each bring to it. And Amber bringing in her economics. And, and as she told her story, all I could think, keep thinking is, yes, life prepares us for life. You know, the, the things that happen in our life make us ready for what we face. And, you know, the things that you said, Amber, about being pretty strong in the face of bad news, not getting shaken, getting to action right away, having taken, you know, made big bets on things and, and been humbled by, by what happens in, in the markets, all got you ready for, okay, so we're going we're gonna to move on. And it, and it gives you a resilience, I think, that that other people don't have because they haven't lived that same kind of that life coming. So as you bring those things together, the community gets stronger. Each of you, though, has taken on a lot of leadership and, and kind of responsibility in your respective communities. 
Um, but then I just heard, you know, Amber kind of egging Sanathan for even more leadership here. What's your frame of mind and how do you approach that role of, you know, unintentional leader? Help your son. That's all. I mean, just be, I mean, that, that's how I, I think about it is I am, I'm very selfish. And I've said that many times before. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say I'm selfish because if I cannot help my son, I cannot help anyone else. Just focusing on doing the right thing for our kids and sharing what we've learned. I think those, that's, that's the formula that I use. Very ironic. You say selfish and Amber sees it as generous. <laughs> it, it truly is. And the other point I would just add to that is by helping your son, you're helping everybody else. So um, I very quickly learned that some diseases you would think there'd be a lot of synergies between me and them. They're actually non-existent because we're just driven so differently. And maybe the biology is similar, but the biggest breakthroughs come from a different set of eyes and disruptive technology and innovative thinking. And I've found if I can find those disruptors and innovators, we're all better off because four of us on a phone call will come up with better ideas in one hour than a bunch of people half listening that don't really care in two years. So what are some of the challenges that come with leadership? So to me, um, kind of drawing from Amber's point, the different set of eyes is my biggest challenge and also my biggest fear. Unfortunately, we have to take on a very strong position as, as, as patient advocates to actually make any progress here. But that also means that we, we have to listen to a lot of perspectives and, and eventually make our own decisions. In a, in a company which has where you have people that you trust, you generally let other people make their own decisions and right or wrong, you let them do it. And that, that brings in different energy, different set of eyes, kind of guides the company in, in the right direction uh, and so on. In here, it, it ends up being like a small business where just the owner makes all the decisions. And, and my, my biggest challenge is, is incorporating a lot of perspectives because no matter, no matter how hard I try, I end up looking at things from my own perspective and I just cannot change it. And that, that at the end of the day means that, you know, I might be wrong about using a specific technology for this disease. And I will continue to be wrong until someone really changes my mind, which could take months. And that, that ultimately doesn't help my son either. Can you tell me more about that, that struggle to, to the, what, what happens over those months? What happens in, in that, that beautiful brain of yours, Sana, that, that takes on a new perspective and, and uses it rather than puts a barrier up to it? Can, I can give you an example. Um, when I got started, everybody said gene therapy is the way to go. And I was adamant and I said, no, I will focus on repurposing only because that's the, that's the fastest way to get to any treatment. I think I just got lucky that we were able to find something that we could repurpose. And I completely agree that gene therapy is the way to go. So for, for several months, there was always a conflict in my mind. Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? And even after we found a compound that we could repurpose and you know, sent away the petition to FDA, I was still worried that I was doing the wrong thing. Um, so in, in my mind, I, 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 had to con- I had to deal with being tenacious and also being flexible at the same time. 
in in the way that i the mechanism that i think would would help is is asking ourselves what 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 are we really benefiting from the tenacity and in this case i i benefited time and it's a it's a commodity that i can never purchase so i would rather be tenacious and buy time than than not very interesting because it's a just a normal human response to say hey i put a position down i'm going to go with it be tenacious about it i'm going to hang on to it as you're questioning yourself and usually we can all go through that and just be oh yeah that's just me being opinionated that's not what this is about as you said it's about your son and so you it forces an open mind which is it forces you to learn how to be an open minded person it forces you to embrace your open mindedness but not lose the tenacity of no it's my son i have to take care of him so Amber, how about you? What what challenges do you have with your, the leadership that you're in? If I could sum it up, I'd say, well, I'm not a jar of Nutella, so I'm never going to make everybody happy. And historically, I've I've been great at making decisions, but not necessarily relying on a team. I was a stock picker. I researched, used my conviction, bought and sold stocks, maybe relied on a small team but not a small team with a similar background and being thrust into a nonprofit space with people of all varying backgrounds and education levels. It's hard to meet people where they're at and it's easy for everybody to have a strong opinion, especially parent wise in a highly emotional scenario like this where your child is sick, but it's also difficult when you're the person doing 99% of the work and making sure other parents feel heard and validated, especially when they're not really a part of things other than an email every six months that asks, is there a treatment yet? And I would love to do more, but it's very difficult when I'm stretched so thin. I'm only getting five or six hours a night. The last thing I can really do is plan a pizza party. Exactly. Um, And you said before, you know, your doctor initially said, you need to become the expert in this. And as you've done that, now it's, there's this, why didn't everybody else become the expert? Why didn't their doctor tell them that? Why are, why aren't they there? From my leadership studies, my leadership experience, it's common. That's it's it's that the leader actually becomes such a a central part to it that they stretch themselves beyond it. So I think it's a a huge challenge to you know find those other people who are going to step up to you and step up with you. So they come. It, I have um, a fellow rare disease fighter mom now named Kim, and we go at this together, and she's become like a dear friend. But at the end of the day, we're in a really lonely, isolating place that none of us want to be here, and we're all grieving differently. And so I have the utmost compassion for each one of us. It's just not a club any of us were competitive to join. Exactly. 
It's that that involuntary situation, right? This this was what you were faced with, and you've come together as best you can, and you're reaching out. We've been talking about that for for nearly half an hour now about reaching out to others who are in similar situations and building that community because it doesn't exist. In our very first episode of Raising Rare, that's what Sana said. He said, I expected to step into some sort of, you know, infrastructure of of support and there's nothing there. And so you start building it. And and that's that's part of the challenge too, is you you need to build that as as it's lifting you up to where you're trying to get to. Amber, can you help people who would like to support your effort um, know where to find you? How can they how can they contact you and where can they learn more about SLC 6A1 Connect? Our website is milestonesformaxwell.org. From the website milestonesformaxwell.org, you can sign up to receive blog updates or donate or participate in one of our many activities. We just finished with a COVID haircut for the cure project where I gave myself dumb and dumber bangs, which I like to say was the worst decision of my thirties. I look pretty stupid. And so you can see some fun and interesting content and track our progress. Thank you very much, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Raising Rare is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients and caregivers to shape the future of medicine. CureGPX4.org is dedicated to finding a treatment and cure for SSMD. You can donate to CureGPX4 on the Raising Rare podcast page or at CureGPX4.org. You can continue to follow Raga's story next time on Raising Rare.